It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. And we're back. How we doing, Anna? Well, Todd, things are heating up. Ooh, yes, Nelson with the jalapeno poppers. Incredible. Ramirez comes in hot with a cheeseburger, patty, lettuce, tomatoes. Beautiful formation. Is he? <gasps> He's going for it. Ramirez grabs the Duke's mayo. <laughs> Look at it go. The twang. Anna, this is the best tailgate I've ever commentated on. Tailgate with twang. Get the official mayo of the tailgate. Duke's mayo today. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Custard TV podcast. It is me, Matt, again. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, this week with me we have two uh, of our favourite contributors who are available at this time on a Sunday. That guy <laughs> never gets old. First of all, uh, he got very wet last night. Michael Lee, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I think I need more context than just yeah, well, that, yeah, <laughs> that was me opening the floor to you, sir, to explain why you got very well last night. Yeah, I spent about four hours out in town last night at a Christmas market and a carnival, getting saturated in the rain and the cold, and spent £40 on over-expensive food. Although I was a bit worried at the start of the carnival, because it was just a couple of kids dressed badly, and then a couple of dancers who looked really miserable and cold. I was thinking... Is this going to be the carnival? Is there not going to be some floats or something here? In fact, eventually the floats did appear and it was all, all colourful and music and stuff. But at first I thought it was just going to be an hour of just some kids walking around looking miserable. <laughs> so it did It did improve. Okay, you're fully in the Christmas spirit now, clearly, by talking to you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> See, I've had to plan the Blooming Works Christmas meal this year. That's the fourth circle of hell. So you're not going to get a lot of sympathy from me, unfortunately. And... <laughs> Dawn, any any early Christmassy things? I've been Christmas shopping. This time last week, I'm doing my Christmas shopping with my best friends. Every year we go, there's four of us, and we go and we buy each other's presents in each other's presents. <laughs> we pick something out and buy it. Puns, really, Dawn. It's early. I've already started. <laughs> yeah, so so that you know, you know, you're not wasting money on something somebody doesn't want. We put and we have a lunch, go out, have a lunch at the same time. So yeah, I've started. In fact, I start my Christmas shopping in January, so I've got quite a lot. So is it a case of you just going around and going, I want that, and the other person buying it? That's exactly it. Doesn't (laughs) that do away with the mystique a little bit of Christmas? There is a bit, but hopefully by the time Christmas comes, you've forgotten it. And last year, because of events, (laughs) I won't go into it. Omnicron as well. But February, by the time we got them, so we'd totally forgotten what we'd picked. It's fine. Do you buy for each friend or just one person buy? You know, is it like a Secret Santa type situation? No, buy for each of us. Oh, okay. It's, it's, it started because I'm the only friend who doesn't have children. The other three have children. And they're spending all their money on their kids. And their husbands tend to be a bit rubbish about buying presents. So it was a way to ensure they got something they like. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite sweet and sad at the same time. This could be a podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, Definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. This is the Custard TV Podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. This week on the show, we have got Disney Plus's TV adaptation of one of Dawn's favourite films, Willow. Also on Disney Plus this week, we have got The Patient uh, from FX, starring Steve Carell. And Donald Gleeson, new BBC game show slash reality show, The Traitors. And on Dave, we have got We Are Not Alone, which is a feature length comedy uh, from some of the people behind Ghosts. Uh, But first of all, a few plugs. Uh, Michael, the Being Human podcast, how far along is that at the moment? Yeah, it's going pretty well at the minute. We are the next episode on the next full moon will be the start of series two. Uh, so yes, yeah, uh, 
it's going on it's much more successful than i thought it'd be because i think it's an old show but yeah um we have different guests come on with each episode and just go through the episode and discuss it and just be really geeky about it um, i'm really enjoying doing it because it's my favorite show and uh dawn probably since last week we haven't got anything new on the shipyard still taking a break at the moment and uh while my co-presenter works on her masters not phd as i said last week uh, did she listen yeah. back and tell you off or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's doing a lot of our our uh, phd on uh peter king funnily enough in Cartier, which was how we uh, masters masters what is yeah. you said phd again <laughs> <laughs> she's doing gcse just be honest yeah as level <laughs> I'm, I'm blaming COVID brain. I've still got COVID brain after. <laughs> yeah, she's doing it, uh, some of her of it on uh, Carshare, which was how we met and how we started working on the the mm. yard together. Was our love of Carshare. But you said you're going to be doing some Christmassy stuff soon. We're hoping to do some Christmas episodes, including the Doctor Who Christmas episode. The when uh, David Tennant's first episode. That's a a good Christmassy one. Oh, not um, the one with Kylie on the Titanic. No, although that is a good one. I, I am a big Tony fan, but with uh, Russell Tovey in that one as well, Michael to link yeah, it together. Did. And where can we find uh, these podcasts, Michael? I'll start with you. Yeah, I can't remember if I said the title. The Box Tunnel Survivors Group. It's on uh, Podbean and Spotify in the usual places, apart from Apple. The Shipyard UST on uh, Twitter and Instagram and YouTube and. You know, every place. I don't think we're on Apple either, but we are on Spotify and other podcast platforms. See, I think Gary got us on iTunes. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> tell, um, tell me your secrets. <laughs> back in the day. Um, yeah, and we're the Custard TV podcast, which you're listening to us now. We have got almost about 500 episodes uh, going all the way back till 2011. <laughs> We um, have, the, you know, there's some interviews on there that Luke did back in the day. We're also obviously custardtv.com and the podcast can be found on all your podcast apps of choice, including Apple. We love you. Please rate, review and subscribe. And yeah, that's it. And um, we will start uh, this week's show, the reviews with uh, The Patient. Uh, this is uh, written and created by the team behind the Americans, uh, Joe Weisberg and Joel Fields. It stars uh, Steve Carell and Donald Gleeson and Dawn Glenn will just be uh, going through some of the basics of The Patient. I thought when it started, it's a look special. <laughs> it starts bang in the middle of the action. We start with Steve Carell as Alan, Dr. Alan Strauss, who's a, I'm going to assume psychotherapist. He's a therapist of some sort. And he wakes up in a bed in a strange room, a basement, and discovers he is changed to the floor, uh, and then flashback, uh, as did so often happen, we find out how he gets there. He has recently suffered a bereavement of his wife passing, presumably by cancer. He has two adult children, Soshana and uh, Ezra. Uh, they're a Jewish family. And he takes on a patient who arrives and calls himself Jean, desperately looking for help with his problem, which he doesn't specify. Um, and um, he talks about his compulsion and Dr. Strauss attempts to help him. And sadly, <laughs> over a period of time, Jean feels he isn't being helped enough. And so he takes Dr. Strauss uh, hostage. And it's, it is Jean that got him in his basement Turns out his name isn't actually Gene, Sam, and he is a serial killer. He doesn't want to be a serial killer. He has read lots of self-help books, and he wants Dr. Strauss to cure him. A lot of it is a two-hander. Follows the two of them as Dr. Strauss attempts to help him. And as we go through that, obviously, as is the way of these shows and why it's called The Patient, it's always a situation of, who is the therapist and who is the patient. Uh, Alan Strauss starts to look into his own life and the mistakes he's made with his children. His son is marrying into a much uh, stricter, I don't know if the correct term is orthodox Jews, but certainly a stricter Jewish family. And this causes a rift in the family. And that's something that has to be 
resolved since uh, his wife's death. And so we see a lot of flashbacks to those events and we find out more about what has caused Sam slash Jean's um, compulsion to kill and the, the people he's killed and how he wants to get out of it. It's a very slow, very quiet show. This isn't an action show of any kind. I think there's this is, uh, 10 episodes and we find out a lot more about Jean as we go through. I, <laughs> I watched four episodes and then the last one. <laughs> Don't, Len. No. <laughs> Terrible, I know, but I thought I, I wanted to see how it finished, but I didn't have time to watch all ten. I, I think it's a show that benefits from being watched binged. There's some mm. shows definitely you want to watch um, uh, weekly. This is, I think each one is only about 25 minutes long, which is quite less amazing. than that. About tw- the first one is about 20, so it's tw- say 20 to 25 minutes, I would say. Very unusual for a drama uh, to, to be that short, but I think it works that way because it is. And the, the flashbacks you get all tend to be very short flashes or you know 30 seconds, not a lot of time spent on them. And I think that works as it's meant to be his memories and him thinking of it. I really enjoyed it. I thought Steve Carell is very good as the, it reminds me of his character, oh gosh, I can't remember the film's name now, he did with uh, Juliet Binoche. Um, Dan in real life. Yes, Dan in real life, that's it. His character there, he's very, obviously in, as a therapist, he speaks very carefully, very slowly. He has a really good chemistry with Donald Gleeson, who for some reason is winning a wink throughout. And I don't, I don't know why, because at, at, at the start I thought he's wearing the wig because the character is in disguise, but no, he wears it for the rest of the time. And I don't, I don't know what that. I find that slightly distracting. But we also, we also meet Sam's mother and find out more about his father. He's uh, abused by his father as a young boy, and obviously that's the catalyst to what has caused him to to become a serial killer. Um, uh, well, I enjoyed it. What, what did you think of it, Matt? Sort of similar to you. I, I watched the first two episodes. Just to say that this is all on Disney Plus from Wednesday the 30th. So if you'd like to binge, as Dawn said, uh, you can do. There's sort of quite a lot of allusions, I suppose, you could draw maybe to Misery. Obviously, it's a sort of a different setup. You know, professional and sort of person who's read up a lot. You know, he's read his book. He He's sort of done some auditioning as well, hasn't he? He said he's seen three Jewish yeah. therapists and decided that he was the best. Very, very muted, I would say, throughout. You know, Steve Carell is as anti-Steve Carell as you, you know. I've not seen mm-hmm. the film, is it called Beautiful Boy with Timothy Chalamet? But it seems like he gives a similar performance in that. He is excellent in this, though, I would say. And as you say, even before the flashback start and he's held hostage, you get that scene with him and his son where he tries to give his son the guitar that his mother owned, but he, you know, there is that very strained relationship and you can get that in just that one scene. I like how there's, because he works as a a food inspector, a health inspector, is that right, Sam? So there's this sort of ongoing narrative about food, you know, he keeps bringing down different takeaway meals. I don't know if that continues on. Um, and giving him recommendations and saying how they create the food, what they use, you know, all these different... And it actually, it wasn't a show that I was expecting to make me feel as hungry as it did. Um, yeah, Donald Gleeson, really good in that he could snap at any minute, but it's very, again, restrained. Everything in this is quite restrained, quite muted, but you are always on the edge, like, what is going to happen next? The music is quite sinister, you say it helps that it is a two-hander for most of it. Yeah, really gripping. And there is that sort of thing at the end, the sort of cliffhanger at the end of episode two. I definitely will be watching on and probably, as I say, as we said, these episodes are quite short, so it's not going to take a long time uh, to finish. Michael, what about you? I generally liked it. I, I, I'd go along with your views that it is quite slow-paced and considering the subject matter... And maybe in the first couple of episodes that makes it feel quite flat because obviously we're talking about mass murder and someone being chained up in a house that they don't want to be. So 
it's obviously a very clear directional choice to be slow and well paced. And I know that probably fits in with him being a psychotherapist and he's talking through him. Why are you murdering and all this kind of stuff? And and I guess they're trying to make it the pace of a, a general meeting that they'd have in his office. And directionally, I think it's really interesting that they chose to make it really light and airy as well. Considering most people who get kidnapped and chained up, it's always in a dark cellar, no light. This is very light and airy. He had he had a view of the garden. So that also seemed at odds. So whether I don't I don't know whether they try to make it feel like a, one of his offices, you know, when he rocks up and like eats food and they start talking about, oh, I don't want to murder and all that kind of stuff. They want to make it feel as like they're in an office together, not tied up, not not in a basement and dark and dingy basement. Um, I thought the Luke special was a bit weird because usually when you have a flashback after the first scene, you'd get the reveal at the end of the episode or maybe two or three episodes down the line. This was three minutes later. They showed him tied up and then they cut back to him with his patients. And then literally three minutes later, he's in the basement. So I'd say it was maybe a little bit longer than that. It was probably about 10, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, I think the concept is really great. And I think there's a lot so much you can explore with like the psychology of a murderer, and especially what's going on in Stephen Carell's character's mind, obviously being chained up and being away from his family. I didn't particularly buy Sam Faulkner as a mass murderer, but then that's only the first couple of episodes. More and more stuff might come out with that. I think there's enough in there to keep me going. I did start the beginning of episode three because I liked the cliffhanger at the end of episode two. It was a bit of a letdown. <laughs> I watched the first five minutes of episode three. But um, yeah, if it builds up the tension between psychotherapist and patient, then it could get really interesting. But obviously Dawn knows the ending, so... <laughs> she Are you might... going to go and fill in the gaps, Dawn? I will. <laughs> I will fill in the gaps. I will. <laughs> I promise. Uh, it's not like choose your own adventure. You can't just get to the <laughs> end of it. You know, I am a spoiler person. I've been a, always been a spoiler person, so I'm a terrible that way. Um, I was going to say that actually what, what Michael said there about, um, you know, uh, the motivations and believing them as a, as a killer, it made me think about Inside Man. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Um, I'm thinking, in a way, this does a much better job of explaining how someone who is a seemingly normal person, who isn't a violent person per se, how they become a killer and what goes on in his mind. I thought it was a, it's a much more interesting and psychological take on that and, and more revealing than, you know, we saw in Inside Man, which was just about, you know, a sequence of events causes this to happen. And this is about the sequence of events that caught, that happened in his childhood and, in, and that happened in his mind that make him obsess about someone until he kills them. This doesn't feel, as Michael said, it doesn't feel that dark. It is quite light. It does feel like just two people sitting in an office. Mm. Sam has gone to the, the to make sure that uh, Alan Strauss has everything he needs. He brings his medication, even brings some cream he's rubbing on his feet. He, he makes him comfortable. He's not there to hurt him. He just wants his attention. But then there is the threat that if he does something wrong, he'll snap. Yeah, and I think the concept of taking patient and psychotherapist away from the office and putting some danger in, into the proceedings, i.e. Steve Carell's character doesn't feel particularly safe, obviously, because he's chained up. He knows he's got to try and help this guy as much as he can to firstly get away from there and have his life. 
and secondly for the uh, for the patient not to commit more murder so that's a very interesting dynamic the shortness of the episodes does help because it is like you say it is unusual for 25 minutes for 20 25 minutes for a drama but i think it is something that just flows and is an easy watch it's not i mean i don't know where it goes but it's not horrific it's not it's not a grim watch uh, even though the, the subject matter is quite dark it is quite a sedate pace to it and yeah I, I mean it's really interesting and i i think if it explores more of the relationship between the two then yeah it's got a lot going for it i think we're all going to try you know dawn's going to fill in the gaps everyone you know the spoiler queen over there i think we should call her um but yeah no i i'm definitely going to go back to this luke's watched it all and is very um you know positive about it i do think it will be in certainly in the article that we're doing for the best of the end of the year and you know we're both big fans of the americans as well so you know this has got quite a, a good pedigree behind it yeah that's all on up on uh, disney plus now uh, also on Disney Plus, Dawn has been counted down the days to this, I believe. This is the uh, film adaptation of uh, Willow. Obviously, Disney Plus very much in nostalgia mode in terms of the shows they're putting out. We've had the Santa Clauses show, the Tim Allen. We've got the National Treasure series incoming. W- Willow, Dawn, is this is is it a big film of yours? Is it a big? Yeah, I, I, I say I, I love eighties. 80s- fantasy films are my thing you know labyrinth never-ending story legend with tom cruise even i've loved willow um all my life so it was 1988 willow came out uh so this series is they're vague about when it is but we'll just assume it's like set 25 ish years after the events of willow and uh, they've managed to get the main characters back which is warwick davis as willow and uh, Joanne Wally as Sorsha, who is now the queen. In the film, her mother was the evil queen and Sorsha was her daughter, who starts off the film uh, on, on her mother's side as the baddie and uh, switches. Sorry, Dawn, can I, can I just ask, has Michael seen the film? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Dawn looks so offended. And I, I, I know I've seen it, but it's one of those, you know, you see in your childhood type films that I know I've seen it and some of this made sense to me. I was more of a Flight of the Navigator kind of guy. Ah, Flight of the Navigator. (laughs) Uh, I'll tell you the plot of the film, no. (laughs) Roughly, the plot of the film is that there is a child, a baby who's been born who's going to uh, bring down the evil. Our our name is Alora Dannon. And so the uh, um, midwife sneaks the child away and Willow's family actually find her and he is then tasked with bringing her back to the good witch Roselle and they uh, defeat the evil and as I say in the process Jan Willie's character Sorsha becomes good and she and Val Kilmer's character Mad Mordigan fall in love and adopt the daughter so we go into this assuming that their child is uh, Alora Dannon. They would be, you know, live happily ever after, as they do in these kind of films. However, of course, things aren't so simple. Uh, as we go into it, Mad Mordigan is not there. Sorsha is the queen. She has twin children, Kit and Eric, or Eric, depending on how you, if you're American or British. They're in the process of merging two kingdoms together, Tirasleen and Galindor. And they're going to achieve this by marrying off Princess Kit to the son of the other family. Uh, his name is Graydon. Kit does not want this because she is a tomboy. She's a fighter, just like her mother was. She's uh, also, it seems to be, in a romantic relationship with a, a girl who wants to be an, the first female knight. Her name is Jade. They're in a romantic relationship together. Meanwhile, her brother, uh, Kit's brother, Eric, is a, a romantic, floppy-haired, uh, lounge-about kind of guy who is in a relationship with the kitchen maid, who he calls Dove because he doesn't remember her real name. It's the night before the wedding, which Kit doesn't want. She's planning to run away, and just as she's about to, descends upon their uh, castle is some evil creatures, various kinds, because I don't really know. One of them is a bit sort of zombie-like, one of them's on a horse. 
Uh, one of them can transform into a bird and uh, there's a big fight. Uh, everybody in the uh, castle takes part, including someone who has been kept in the uh, jail, who is Burman, uh, who seems to have some kind of relationship with Sorsha. Uh, she releases him to help them fight. And suddenly in the midst of the fight, all the evil characters uh, turn and retreat and they discover that Prince Eric has been captured and taken. And so a group must come together to find him. And in doing so, uh, Sorsha has had a dream that Willow will have to lead them because he's now a great sorcerer. And so they go off to find Willow and um, get back the prince. There you go. <laughs> Amen. Now, Michael, as, as someone who hadn't seen the film at all, yeah. did this work? You know, did they do enough to set up what the film was, you know, any law that you needed to sort of explain the characters' motivations? What do you think? They did have the flashbacks to the films right at the start, and they did do a bit of an explanation. I struggled, but that I think a lot of that's down to me because I do struggle with these kind of fantasy things anyway. I'm not into Game of Thrones. I'm not into dragons or, like, flying. Fantasy stuff, like... It's not the case of, like, the, the realism because I can watch things that don't aren't yeah, real. You, you, you favourite shows being human. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know what it is. I think as soon as there's warring factions and love interests and families at war and talk of saving kingdoms, there's something in my brain that just starts to mulch in on itself. I just can't. <laughs> and it, it all looked very glamorous and impressive. I, I found like some of the action scenes quite weird. Like there was a bit of... I, I brought to mind a recent episode of Doctor Two, the Legend of the Sea Devils, where like there, there was action scenes, but the editing was quite—it wasn't as bad as that, but the editing was quite bad. So it looked like things were cut wrong, or something didn't make sense about the action scenes. Uh, what I would say going for it is a lot of these supernatural sci-fi stuff have really elongated scripts, and everyone talks like this. And, you know, or, and they didn't do that. That's to its credit. It did have some modern language in it because like some people were talking about like totally and all that kind of things, which I also found a bit strange. It wasn't up itself. It wasn't. It knew what it was doing and it had a sly. There's something about it. I, it I wasn't alienating people, I suppose. Is that what you're saying? It was, there wasn't sort of a, a gatekeeping nature about it. I felt alienated, but I don't know yeah. how much. But like you know, it wasn't was... like if you haven't seen the film, yeah. you're going to shut you out. You know, it was it was trying to be as welcoming as possible. But then, I mean, Luke's very much the same, Michael. You know, he has yeah. a problem with just sort of genre stuff in general. So um, understandable, but yeah, this isn't your sort of wheelhouse. It's impressive, and I can see a lot of love and work has gone into it. It's just. This is down to me. It, to be objective in a review, uh, you've got to admit your own flaws. And I, I just have to say, I'm, zo- I'm zoning out halfway through. It, you'd get much more out of a review from someone like Dawn, who's into this, than from me, who's not into it and struggles with it. Uh, okay, we'll bring, we'll bring, Michael will be back shortly. <laughs> <laughs> For me, I mean, this uh, has been written, created by uh, Jonathan Kazdan, uh, Dawn, who's the son of Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote on uh, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi and was quite a prolific director as well. Um, Jonathan, though, looking at his IMDb credits, he started by working on Freaks and Geeks and then on Dawson's Creek. Um, And there was a lot of, like, teen drama stuff, wasn't there, in this? Certainly in the beginning in The Mm. Castle. You just described one of the characters as a floppy-haired layer, which is like... (laughs) <laughs> you know it's all who fancies who who doesn't want to get married to who who's having sort of secret liaisons i i did like the performance by um is the actor called tony revel revoli as the um the prince who's been brought in to to be married off to kit and he's quite wimpy but he has got like skills you know he's forced to go on this quest by his dad because his betrothed's going on it. I somehow sort of sympathised with that character. saw myself a bit in that character. I, I think that they maybe spent a little bit too much time in the castle. 
but I suppose you need you need to know everything about the characters before you've got to root for them, and they're off on the way. And um, the action was very well done. They've got James Newton Howard doing the soundtrack. I thought it was a bit rude that there wasn't much Willow in Willow <laughs> in that first episode. Poor old Warwick Davis popping up in the last five minutes. And actually, I felt for, even from that five minutes or whatever we got of him, it looked like he'd sort of forgotten how to act a little bit. I don't know if that was just me. Dawn's making a face now. Um, you watch the, the next one. OK. I have this feeling and I I had it with watching James Corden as well when we watched Mammals a few weeks ago that once you sort of know someone more as a personality once they've sort of stepped away from acting it's this feeling that can I believe them as this character and I did have that block with Corden in in Mammals whether it was just you know there was only a, a certain amount of Warwick Davis here to judge and, and Dawn as she's gone on will probably be able to put praise on this. I'm sort of, you know, with Michael, this isn't my sort of go-to, but I, I do, appre- you know, I appreciate this sort of stuff. I was very much in the Dawn camp in the 80s, you know, I watched a lot of those shows, films even. Shout out to Return to Oz, which was not one that you mentioned, but uh, some nightmares from that. I'm still working through it in, you know, trauma therapy. I won't be watching on, but, you know, if you like this sort of thing and there are people who are out there and especially with the added nostalgia factor, I'm sure that will work for them. And now for the opinion that matters. <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to say, I, I completely agreed with what you said about Warwick Davis. The start of the second episode, there's a flashback scene to, I don't know, 15 years ago or something like that. And it's uh, just what um, Willow and Sorsha and it was painful watching it. It really was. And I thought, oh, no, this is going to be so bad. However, in the present day scenes, Fort Davis was much better. So I don't know. Maybe that was the first scene they filmed or something. He but... was only very young back then. Because I think I heard a review the other day when he did Return of the Jedi. He was like 15. So he could have only been like 18, 19 when he did Willow. How old? 18. Yeah, 18 he was. Yeah, I think. It is a shame, though, that he's the least strongest part of it. I like that they had the same sense of humour that the film has. It has the same wit. The second episode is actually written by Bob Dolman, who wrote the screenplay for the film. So you would expect that they've definitely captured the same feel of it. The same kind of world building is, is, is very similar. Obviously, in this, there is less of it because obviously they expect people to have watched the film and if you're watching this, you'll have seen the film, you know the world. I like the way they've dealt with uh, Mad Mordigan because obviously um, Val Kilmer, due to his health, won't be able to take part. I assumed they would just have filled him off, but it's actually much more complicated than that and he is part of the story as you as go on. Did he, he married Joanne Wally, didn't he, off the back yes, of this? They were married for a what? time. I kept calling her Dran Wally Kilmer, but just, I just now she's back to just be Dran Wally. <laughs> um, I liked the young cast, as you see. I thought that Graydon is a really interesting character. I thought it was good that the troop they sent out is not the usual stereotype. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives for newly appointed agents. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the United States Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers slash USBP. That's cbp.gov careers slash USBP. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's not the alpha male and, you know, the plucky young person or whatever. It's it's a much more interesting mix. I thought that Ruby Cruz is very good as the the. I I, I read she was actually the second person cast as it, but she's very good. So, and Boorman, they sort of he's a sort of thief 
mercenary, very in the same kind of vein as Mark Morgan from the film. This sort of wisecracking, uh, laconic, doesn't really care about anything. He's doing it for his own reasons. That's a, an interesting character. And obviously, Jade, the romance with, or potential romance with Kit, interesting, well done, Disney, having a lesbian kiss in the first episode. <laughs> I know that was, that was not shocking to me, but... Yeah. I, I think in terms of this being a series, you know, aimed at a younger audience, a family audience, I do wonder if there is, there, there will be, because people are horrible. I wonder how much of a, you know, a stink will be kicked up or if people are going to be more, you know, accepting or I don't want my kids seeing this, that sort of thing. So that'd be interesting to see that reaction. It, surpri- it definitely surprised me. But yeah. in a good way. Yeah. I, I was surprised there is a sweary in it. There was a swear word and I thought, oh, I thought I didn't think that would be in it considering I assumed it would be aimed at a younger audience. But I guess they're trying to go for a more a more modern day, I, I suppose. And I, I read that the uh, actress who plays Graydon's mother, the Queen of Gallander, is a trans actress. And she's the first trans actress to be on uh, Disney. So give Willow props for, for that. They're definitely moving with the times. I, I think they've created enough of a different story. Quite often when you're just tapping in on nostalgia, it's just a retread. Find a new way to have the same characters go through a similar story. This isn't that. This is a whole new group of characters facing a similar challenge, I guess. But I think they've done enough to create its own story, its own mythology. I was looking forward to it, but I was afraid that it was going to be awful. <laughs> but um, I, I was very happy with it, and I, I'm definitely going to watch the rest of it. As you say, if this is your kind of thing, it will be your kind of thing. It's not high fantasy like Lord of the Rings. It is like a family film from the 80s, but just with more of a lean towards a teen audience. And as you say, like a more modern slant you know, including stuff actually quite progressive. I mean, I haven't watched a lot of these, like, made-for-Disney Plus series, the Star Wars ones and the, the Marvel ones. I believe episodes one to three, I think, are up on Disney Plus uh, from Wednesday the 30th, and then it's uh, weekly, I believe, after that, every Wednesday, uh, which is sort of their main episode day on Disney Plus. Now we turn to uh, Dave, a channel we don't uh, particularly cover here on the podcast. Uh, this is We Are Not Alone. It's created by Ben Willibond and Lawrence Ricard. Is that right, Dawn? Part of the team from Ghosts, Horrible Histories, Yonderland. This uh, focuses on an alien invasion and is set in Clitheroe. This is where the aliens have set up their UK base because it is the centre of the UK apparently slap bang in the middle I don't know I didn't go back and check that as a fact the question was why do you have your capital sort of somewhere down the bottom of the country you need to be in the middle we our main character is uh Stuart who's a junior planning officer at the council he's the man chosen to be the human liaison of the alien race and they hope he will help them get some positive press Early on, the aliens give themselves human names because the names they have, if they say them, they cause people to uh, lose all bowel movement, basically. A gag that does get picked up on, as you would expect. They call themselves uh, eventually Traitor, Gordan and Gregs, played by Vicky Pepperdine, Mike Wozniak and Joe Thomas. Joe Thomas's character moves in with Stuart sort of essentially to monitor him, but they end up having sort of like a flat share relationship, sort of almost like a men behaving badly type thing. They sort of learn we're not so different, you and I type lessons. Uh, Stuart also has to contend with becoming a mole for the anti-alien guerrilla group who are hoping to sort of get back to the status quo. He's very much a sort of man trapped in the middle, would rather just be down the pub, having a pint, sort of swooning over the barmaid who he's had a crush on uh, for years. Go on, I'll go to Michael again. Is this more more up your street? We've got sort of genre, but mixed with sort of comedy here. 
Are you, I mean, are you a fan of, of like, ghosts and things like that? Is that something yeah, you know, you're I love, into? I love, I love ghosts, and, and you can totally... Considering it's a Dave pilot, essentially, for a potential series, there's so many good names attached to this, you know, behind the camera and on the camera. And it's so ambitious to have a pilot that is a movie length. Has that happened before? That is so weird. Whether they're just setting up to just if it gets commissioned, do a series of films or whether it's going to be actual series with like 30 minute long episodes or something. I don't know, but it's... I'm sure Luke's yelling at me from when he's <laughs> editing this with like 10 examples, but off the top yeah, of Yeah, probably. But it, I mean, for a, a station that is not renowned for having a big budget, it does seem quite a big thing to do to get so many pretty big names in comedy into this and do a pilot that is feature length. What I really liked about this was the fact that Vicky Pepperdine, Mike Wozniak and Joe Thomas are essentially playing what they play in most things, but they're doing it with blue hair and some weird six packs glued to their heads. <laughs> I don't know why it almost made their, their performances funnier, but the, the fact that they were just dressed like that and they were still being as ridiculous as they usually are. It's really ambitious. If you over, If you overlook some of the special effects early on, which were a bit rubbish, but then it's pilot. And in this kind of show, you could almost argue that it is a bit slapstick, a bit tacky. It kind of should look a bit rubbish. It reminded me a bit of the Cornetto trilogy, like the Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, The World's End. More specifically, The World's End. I don't know what it was about. It may be the alien side of it. And uh, The World's End, incidentally, is the best of the Cornetto trilogy. Don't at me. That is just the truth. But I just thought it was really fun. The fact that it was feature length probably made it drag in certain places, but it was so full of recurring jokes or slapstick or silliness. Uh, Wozniak's character even gets a couple of little Brexit jokes in there. It was so full of ambition and craziness that you can you can overlook the flaws. And if it does get commissioned, you can go, well, they can iron out certain things that didn't work. Or it wasn't what I was expecting. I was expecting a 25 minute silly thing. And also, I've, I've just Googled it. Clivero is just north of Blackburn. Is it in it's, the centre, though? Are we, well, uh, I would is... say maybe of Britain. Yeah, mm. probably around the centre. There was so much to like with this. Sometimes you just need a bit of silliness, and it is completely stupid. I agree with a lot of what you've said there, Michael. I did feel the drag maybe a little bit more. Yeah. I think a lot of the silliness and a lot of like the commentary, the sort of gags about what would aliens think of this country if they came down sort of thing i mean for me i got strong hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy vibes stewart is very much like an arthur dent especially in that opening scene with his mate where he's talking about you know being satisfied with his lot in life i agree as well i i did write that down that the three main actors playing the aliens were playing the characters they normally play I thought Declan Baxter as Stuart, I don't really know him. He's not done a great deal before. And I don't think he was a gripping presence. I thought possibly Joe Thomas was the best thing in this, even though he was very much playing to type. Ben Willibond and Lawrence Rickard, they were playing the two guards, weren't they? Yeah. Their sort of asides were very well done. I liked, you know, the supporting cast seeing like Miles Jupp and Rob Delaney and people like that. I think where it fell down for me was when they started focused on the guerrilla group a little bit more, you know, with Amanda Abington as the former Justice Secretary. Those scenes didn't work for me as much. His sort of feelings towards the barmaid played by George Mayfoot. It's sort of definitely a thing of two halves. I agree with you that it is a bit odd to have like this feature length special which did feel like a pilot they were setting up for a series it felt like by the end there was some things to enjoy i could sort of see what they were going for but it sort of lost me as it went on now i know someone who is a massive ghost fan dawn glenn over to you you stole all my notes i'm just (laughs) crossing out of all the humor i think worked for me i do like that kind of silly I think this show has obviously had a lot less heart than Ghosts. Ghost is a very warm show, and this Fear Not Alone didn't have that kind of heart, but it has the same kind of humour. I agree, I, I liked the two guards. 
that was the, the funniest part for me. I did like you know, all the references, you know, the political jokes. and yeah. the, I thought it were actually worked best. And what I would hope it would do in the future as an office-based comedy, when they were in their base and maybe, you know, the IT woman and the old lady, you know, I thought that was the funniest stuff. I love that old lady. Yes. Did she call her your majesty at one point? Or <laughs> I, yeah, I really liked that. And I hope they would keep that. Because that's quite an original idea to have aliens in an office-based comedy and another layer to it. But I agree, I didn't really enjoy the stuff with the rebels and the underground stuff um, and the, the crazy party they end up all having after they've taken an alien. I did like the, when did we get chips, though? That was... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Joe Thomas is marvellous. He is Joe he Thomas. Is. Yeah. He is, he's warm and funny and that kind of pathetic soul that, you know, you just want to cheer for and his, his friendship. So I could actually, when I was watching it, I was thinking, oh, is this going to be like an office comedy? And then I thought, oh, no, is this going to be like a flat share comedy? There's so many avenues they could take it. I think it'll be interesting to see where they hone it in in the series compared to this. Yeah, I, I think you're right, especially in terms of scope. I think it was better when it was more early on, and I think we're all agreed on this, when it was a bit more around the office, a bit more of the setup, than when it got into taking over the world and special effects and the party and all the protest group and all that kind of stuff it was getting away from what was making it more unique I guess it was more finely honed and maybe if they go for a series they'll concentrate more on that because that it is hilarious concept just in an office trying to rule the world and like doing really badly at it and I think the thing is that they've had to sort of serve two masters that this has to be a standalone and set up a series so as you say there's a lot of different things that they're trying to throw against the wall but they have to have the plotty bits which i think we're all saying are the bits where it falls down because they need like a conclusion they need drama we need twists we need all of this whereas we've got writers who are used to writing like weekly stuff and a lot of sketchy stuff as well so i think maybe the more plottier aspects is stuff that they've not really dealt with as much before does that make sense it does and also i, I would say uh declan baxter i thought he was I, I don't think i've seen him anything before i thought he was really good okay. at just being at the center of whatever the hell was going on around him and just, just taking it all in and in his own uh, own way in befuddled way I, I thought it was a really good performance so i think we're all saying there's bits to like in this i think even if they maybe split it down into two halves i'm not sure it just feels it it was quite, and obviously, you know, we watched without ads. So, with the, you know, this is going to be a two-hour yeah, sit-down for whoever, you know, watches it, unless they catch up on the UK TV player, where it, it will be available if you've missed it after it's airing on Monday night. But, yeah, definitely a sort of a, sort of a solid pilot, but possibly didn't need to be as long as it was. But interesting things to set up if there is a, a series of this at some point. But... Yeah, that's We Are Not Alone, and that will be available on uh, the UK TV player, and I'm sure it will be repeated a lot on Dave, because they do that from time to time. <laughs> Finally, then, we turn to what is the big uh, BBC show this week. Uh, this is on BBC One, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday this week. There are 12 episodes of this in total. Uh, this is The Traitors. Do you think this was a game show or a reality show or somewhere in the middle? I mean... The BBC press release describes it as a psychological reality show. <laughs> Dawn's making a face. Um, it's adapted from a Dutch series, as many of these are. Initially starts with 22 contestants um, arriving from across the UK uh, to a remote castle in Scotland. They spend the daytimes working together in an attempt to add money to a prize pot that could be worth up to £120,000. Uh, but hidden amongst the group are traitors who are picked by uh, host Claudia Winkleman early on in the game. Each night, the traitors get together and decide amongst themselves which of the other players known as the faithful are going to get murdered, which I thought was quite an extreme uh, bit, and leave the game. There is also uh, each day a round table where all the players get to eliminate who they believe the traitor is by banishing them from the game. 
if all the traitors are eliminated by the end of the game, then the remaining uh, faithful, who were the non-traitors, split the prize pot between themselves. However, if there are any traitors left, then they, they will be the ones who take home the jackpot. There was also mention of the traitors sort of getting some of the faithful to join them. I think that was mentioned, but never really elaborated on. As this is set in Scotland, we should go to Michael for No, Dawn. <laughs> Are you a game show fan, Dawn? Do you watch a lot of game shows? Uh, not especially. I used to watch... God, I've picked the wrong two people to come on. <laughs> I used to watch stuff like is it Castaway, you know the one, the T4 one? Shipwrecked. Um, yeah, Shipwrecked, thank you. Uh, that kind of thing. I quite enjoyed that. I mean, I'm, I'm experienced in watching them. <laughs> I think this actually had elements of I'm a Celebrity in it. With the, they had the start of, the, of this season's I'm a Celebrity, the sabotaging Matt Hancock and Sean Moss were sabotaging things. Wish someone would sabotage Matt Hancock. <laughs> <laughs> I actually enjoyed this more than I thought it would, simply because I enjoyed the fact that the game playing is open. I, I don't enjoy on reality shows when people are oh, I'm, we're going to have a strategy and you're going to play it up and you're going to get this person out. I just find that all, I don't know, it just doesn't appeal to me. But because this is the point of it, it is to be the traitors are picked and they have a purpose and that they are not sabotaging it. Because I, I assume they would be sabotaging everything, but no, because they want the money as well. So they are taking part in the mission, so they are all working together. Uh, so it is all psychological. It's about picking who they think is likely to be seen as trouble and they can pin the blame on someone else and they'll be seen as the, the traitor. I thought the mix of contestants was good. Not entirely convinced Claudia Quinkleman was the best presenter. I don't know. I think it could have done with someone that could play Machiavellian a bit more. Claudia Winkleman's just too nice. <laughs> The setting in the castle is beautiful, although although I noticed very quickly they said, oh, we'll take you all back to your lodgings. They're not staying in the castle. No. <laughs> in their apprentice-style cars that they've got, you know, come on. Got a cost of living crisis now. We can't afford all that fuel. They're probably all staying in just some tiny place in Inverness. Some premier inn. In... No, they're staying in tents by the river that's what they're doing <laughs> they're staying in those uh, big wicker man sculptures that they <laughs> lit up early on in the episode didn't quite know what the significance of wicker man sculptures well, apparently a lot of the challenges are like pagan based oh right because they're in scotland I <laughs> obviously <laughs> i hear that's what you do with a of a night set, <laughs> set these sculptures up i didn't like to see <laughs> It's a Tuesday night in Dundee. <laughs> it is a bit all over the top, but I guess that's the that's the thing. It's hugely calm in the you know the big round table, and it's all at this castle, and as we see the Wicker Man sculptures and things. It's, it's very over the top, but the premise of it I did enjoy, and I did I watched one in a bit because I wanted to see who was murdered. Who got murdered? Yeah, me too. I did that. Actually, I did sort of that and then I wound on to see who was banished and then I wound on to the next episode to see who the second person was murdered and then that was it. <laughs> well, you didn't go to the end to see who was. No, I didn't get to episode 12. <laughs> I had that in my notes as well about Claudia Winkleman and actually I um, I read an in the interview she did on the BBC press site where she was like, you know, I wanted to do something where, you know, I got my sort of dark side out a bit more. I don't think in the trailers they give you that she is as involved in the game as she, you know, she is the master manipulator. She chooses the, or, you know, chooses the traitors, I'm sure, with some help from the producers. Yeah, it just felt like she was sort of acting against type. You know, this is the smiley woman from the shampoo commercials and Strictly Come Dancing. Yeah, I, I just felt, and I don't know, it, either of you sort of think of someone else. I mean, like 20 years ago, this could have been Anne Robinson, but I don't know who would do it now. Presumably they wanted a, a female presenter. I mean, Michael, do you agree? And could you think of anyone be the host? Not currently. Uh, the, I think the thing with Claudia Winkleman, she's a great host. But I think what the problem was is whenever she was talking to them on group or when they were doing those close-up shots of her walking in the dark with a hood up, 
she was always smirking she'd be like now two of you are going and then she'd just do a little smirk or like don't have too much fun because when the clock chimes at midnight and all the all the they were just like oh oh and she just walked up the stairs smirking because she probably hasn't got that authority in the sense that we know her personality and she's mm. very cheeky very sarcastic and she she's kind of in on the silliness of it it's almost like she's looking at the camera going this is a bit silly isn't it <laughs> That's always yeah, what it's like. You need someone to sort of sell it, I suppose, a bit more, I think, is the thing. You need someone who can sort of act through it. And I think Claudia's thing is being very, very genuine, I always find her as a host. You know, she's someone who always, like, you want her to be your friend. But Dawn, what about you? Could you think of anyone sort of current? I had a quick Google there, and I was thinking maybe Louise mentioned somebody maybe mm. a bit more... With a news background. Yes. It is hard to think of somebody that would fit it, but it just needs to be somebody more who you could leave. Yeah, from a news background, that makes it maybe like Samira Ahmed or someone like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But they obviously want, because this is big prime time, they want someone who's, that's sort of your catch-22, isn't it, really, that they want someone... Catherine Ryan would be good. Mm. I would believe her in the powerful position and, and making these decisions. I could definitely see her doing it. If they wanted so I think Claudia does live in Scotland reading the interview. Oh, go looking for her. <laughs> <laughs> Are they showing this weekly or is it? I know this this week it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I was trying to work it out overall because I think they're trying to get rid of all the episodes by Christmas. Yeah, so whether I, was, it's, I was saying whether I think it's something that has to be. Week, I yeah. think there's some, unless they're repeats, I think there's some on BBC Three as well. It's all, it's basically it's all over the schedules where they can fit it in is, is where this yeah. is going to be. To me, it seems like something that you'd want to watch two or three nights in a row because by a week later, you'd have forgotten. Cause there's so many people involved. You'd have just gone, who was out last week? I, I don't know. Yeah, it's just an amalgamation of all the heightened reality TV shows that are successful right now, isn't it? Like the epic music, fast editing, cinematic drone shots. Lots of filler establishing shots that take way too much time. The Apprentice meets I'm a Celebrity. That's the vibe I was getting. They want people to turn in on each other, hence the whole traitor thing. They want people to bitch about each other. They want people to be horrible and turn on each other. And also there was a clip on one of uh, early on. I know there's the weird Wicker Man lighting thing this episode, but there was a clip early on that in one of the future episodes. They're being buried underground. So that's very I'm a Celebrity. It does take a whole episode to explain the concept. So many contestants and, and so many, well, we're doing this now and then that happens. And that I was furiously writing down who everyone was. And <laughs> and then they they say someone's going to be murdered. Someone's going to be murdered. Now, I know it's not going to be someone in the middle of the night being stifled out by a pillow or stabbing. But the ultimate concept of the murder when it happened. I know they don't want to use reality TV shirt terms like eliminated, evicted. They, that's probably what they're trying to avoid. But don't call it murder because it was basically <laughs> putting a uh, envelope on a chair. They got the death warrant, Michael. It was a death yeah. warrant. It wasn't. Um, come on. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's high camp, isn't it? You know, the traitors get together at night in these robes with these masks on. You know, it is all very high camp. Yeah, I get it, but it felt like a dark episode of Taskmaster, with the with the letter <laughs> opening it up. You have been murdered. Ah, oh, damn it! <laughs> but and it, there's it, all the the sort of the portraits of them all up there as well in the great hall, so they can look and go, who's not come back from? I don't know. Did you watch that start of that second episode as well, Michael? Or no? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and I hate myself for it. <laughs> Even they can't remember everyone who's in there with them. It's no. like, let's look at the pictures to see who's not come down for breakfast yet. The traitors mentioned three people, four people who they might want to murder. So those are the last people that come down for breakfast. Yes, yeah, yeah. So it's highly polished. It's very cynical, but it's great at what it's doing. Mm. I mean, I can imagine, like you say, if this is three nights in a row, as soon as you get some people hooked on it, that's it. It's about personal politics. It's about gameplay. It's about who winning. It's about money. I didn't fully understand the concept of the money because they said £120,000. And then they were the Wicker Man task. It's up to. It's up yeah. to £120,000. So you're, you are building a prize pot. Yeah. The largest amount they could win is £120,000. But that is if they complete all the tasks. Is basically Yeah. 
probably maybe they had too many contestants in. Mm. I I thought 22 seemed like an arbitrary amount. I think it's because they always plan to get rid of those. They always plan to do that thing that I can't talk about. (laughs) (laughs) This sort of made me nostalgic for like those like door mansion shit, like those sort of early reality shows. A lot of them sort of come from America where there is that element of deception. It's not sort of got that slickness to it. As I say, there's a lot of high camp to it with the costumes and the yeah. the drama. I just think Claudia Winkleman, that was the element I, I didn't feel in on it. And I was sort of going, who would I have chosen the traitors to be? Because there's like, there's a secret couple in there, isn't there? It's something we haven't mentioned because they're not really... Oh, yeah. I would have picked one of the members of the couple. <laughs> to be, but what she said in that interview as well is it had to be people who actually said they wanted to be the traitors. Yeah. They would have kept that that couple in. They wouldn't have chosen one of the couples to be traitors because that's an ongoing lie away from the traitor thing, isn't it? Those two people are deceiving everyone else by pretending they're not a couple. I, so they I want that to go it, on as long as possible. It would be good if they, and as well as deceiving everyone else, they were deceiving each other as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what yeah, I was true. thinking. Surely it's going to get to a point because, like, is someone else is cracking onto his girlfriend <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was an interesting but again you're like well why are you keeping this a secret it's just sort of again it feels like a very much a sort of production company thing but yeah like they didn't again, want to say oh i've been a therapist or i'm studying psychology or things like that it's like well i won't tell them i'm an actress the one who works at the old folks home of the contestants were somehow in the industry which mm. was makes it a bit i'm assuming just because that's the kind of people who apply for it but it does make it a bit, well, how much of this are they manufacturing because they are actors? I am in agreement with you. It's very much one of those where if I'm a rat, it's, it's a bit like, because I'm a celebs obviously finishing tonight, as we're saying. So this is, I think, appealing to those people saying, come over to us. We've got a, a new sort of game show, reality show thing on. You know, there's not a great deal of shows on at the moment on the, the sort of the terrestrial channels because we're still sort of mid-world cup so this is a nice palate cleanser to that do i speak for all of us when i say i've got no interest in the challenges really no, that the, seems the, the most sort of tired bit of it oh we have to put some challenges in here don't we as well so they can win some money but the voting aspect the elimination aspect i think it sort of boils down a lot of the reality show aspects to its sort of core really also one thing i thought and this is a very minute detail when Claudia picked the traitors it was a really silent room and she was walking around them now if if someone next to you either side of you around that round table wouldn't you feel the presence or uh, the movement of an arm on the person next because she she did stop behind quite a lot of people and not touch them did she I feel I feel like you'd probably notice you don't know, though, how edited that was no, down sure. if she just circled them for about half an hour. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, I thought they all did well not reacting mm-hmm. when they were touched because it must be very hard not to go, <gasps> or, you know, something. <laughs> I suppose the other thing, they could have just given them cards or something, couldn't they? Yeah. But they used all that budget for the, the death warrant. Well, I have one tiny complaint like that. The use of the word click. It's not click, it's a click. Yeah. <laughs> you can't say, oh yeah, there's that click, and I'm going, what are they talking about? Oh, they mean click. <laughs> it's basically oh. nonsense, but it's entertaining nonsense. Yeah, entertaining nonsense. And a bit of a fun fact that I picked out here for Michael as well. Did you know the being human link? Oh, God. You won't know this unless you, you sort of devoured the list of the credits as I did. Because no, I was it... looking I was looking up the composer because the music was really, really over the top. Yeah, Sam yeah. Watts, who composed the pilot score to Being Human. Bloody hell, Matt, that is obscure. <laughs> <laughs> Only because I wanted to know what's this guy worked on before? Has he done any of the big reality wow. shows, which he hadn't? But he had done being human. I mean, um, the, the music was great. The music was yeah. so full on. It did its job and heightened every single aspect mm. of the show. There was one moment in the in the show which I really, I think this was my favourite moment, where they were playing Muses Feeling Good. And it went, mm. uh, and there's a peacock, a picture of a peacock. And it went, and I'm feeling, and the peacock went, ah! <laughs> and it went, good. <laughs> <laughs> and I, for some reason, that just made me laugh. <laughs> 
we can't top that. So the Traitors is on um, most nights over the next few weeks, uh, but starts its run on Tuesday the 29th at 9pm. Uh, thank you very much to both Michael and Dawn uh, for joining us today. Do you want to just go through uh, your Twitters? Start with Dawn. Dawn Glenn 2 or the Shipyard USD? Yekim underscore Mikey on Twitter. Yeah, I'm at Matt's TV Bytes, uh, Luke's at Luke Custard TV, uh, the podcast at Custard TV uh, Pod. And as we say most weeks, if you'd like to join us uh, for a podcast, uh, please get in touch. Uh, you can email us as well, CustardTVReviews at gmail.com. Uh, next week on the programme, we will be reviewing the new offerings from ITVX, including A Spy Among Friends. We've got Kate Winslet and I am Ruth and we've got Sheridan Smith in Rosie Malloy gives up everything. But until then, thank you and goodbye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. I think that it's programs like this that help people realise that they're not alone. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.